during these, this month of May, we've been working through some short little sayings of Jesus tonight for the ascension of our Lord. It's his saying about the Sabbath, but, but specifically key in on the last words that he says, the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. What does it mean? That's what we want to ask tonight. What does it mean that Jesus is Lord even of the Sabbath? From Mark chapter 2. Now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. Some people came and asked Jesus, how is it that John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees are fasting, but yours are not? Jesus answered, how can the guests of the bridegroom fast while he is still with them? They cannot, so long as they have him with them. But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, and on that day they will fast. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. Otherwise, the new piece will pull away from the old, making the tear worse. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins, and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields. And as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? He answered, Have you never read what David did when, his, when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. This is the word of our God. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus Christ, you have ascended and taken your seat at God's right hand and there you begin to reign. So rule over us by your word that our hearts may be set at rest in your presence, that our hearts may be set at rest in our lives, that we might fully and truly, freely run in the path of your command. So, Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditating of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, God. You alone are, are, are our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. What do you think it would be like to run? And I mean really run with nothing holding you back. What would, what would it be like to live your life as God's child that freely with, without any rucksack on your back of burdens and expectations and pressures holding you down, without a parachute behind you, without this ongoing pressure of a self-justification project, without trying to overcome guilt and shame and people's expectations, what would it be like to live a life and just run, really run? What would it be like to be a bird set free from a cage? To be like a calf with the stall just opened. What it would it be like to open up that muscle car in the salt flats? What would it be like to run, to, to really run? I think the disciples, at least for a moment, 
had it figured out. I know that when, you, when, I, when I read the account just a minute ago, the disciples were not probably the object of your attention. You were, you were thinking about the Pharisees and how they came at Jesus. You were thinking about Jesus and how he responded to the Pharisees. But did you notice the disciples and how they lived? When the, Pharisees, when the, the disciples of the Pharisees were fasting, when the, the disciples of John the Baptist were pr- fasting, Jesus' disciples weren't. And you have to understand, this was, this was not some special fast. This was not some above and beyond fast. They, they were fasting and nobody, and every, they were not fasting and everybody else was. The disciples weren't worried about it. They were living with Jesus. They were with the bridegroom. It was time for a celebration. It was not time for a fast. Why would they fast when Jesus was with them? And, and when they were hungry on the Sabbath day, when they were walking with Jesus, their Lord and Master, they were walking with him, with him through the grain fields and their stomach started to growl a little bit and they need a little bit of strength for the journey. Did you see what they did? <laughs> they weren't worried about some pharisaical little law about picking grain. They, they reached down their hands and they grabbed a little head of wheat and crumbled in their hands and then popped it in their mouth like a little bit of granola. They weren't worried about the Sabbath because they were with Jesus. They were, they were with the, the greater son of David, David and his men who ate the, the consecrated bread of the high priest. They weren't worried about picking a little bit of wheat on the Sabbath day because they were with Jesus. I, I, I think at least for a moment these disciples understood what it was to be free and to live without anybody looking over their shoulder. So can I ask you, what would it be like to live like that? What would it be like to live free and just run like a bird from a cage, like a calf from a stall, like a muscle car in the salt flats? What would it be like to really open her up? I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I wish I could tell you. I, I suppose I could tell you that I've had moments where I've like felt a little bit of that. I, I've had glimpses. Maybe you have too where you felt like, at least for a moment, like, I, I don't have a worry. It's footloose and fancy free as we sing in the songs, a care, carefree without a care in the world. We're, for just a moment, and it seems like that's all it ever is, maybe it's just me. We're living with such a freedom that we run. We really run. And by the way, I'm not talking about exercising. I hope you get that by now. So what is it then that keeps us from really running? What is it from, as the psalmist says, that keeps us from running in the path of God's commands? Could it, could it be that one of the things in our way is the fear of people, fear of men? And, and by that I mean not like, oh, I'm scared of you, you're going to hurt me. What I mean is this, the fear of people looking at us and, and making judgment calls about our life. And I'm not talking about the moral law because God has every right to say about our lives the moral rights and wrongs about our lives. But, but I'm, I'm talking about the other things. The, the, the things about the way that you practice your Christian life, your devotional life, your, your worship life, your service life, the way you serve your neighbor, the way you serve your church, the way you care for your family, the way you raise your children. As, as if somebody's looking over your shoulder and saying, hmm, you know, your kids really should be you really should be wearing this instead of that. You really should be doing this instead of that. You should be not doing that instead of this. 
You know, there's this, this Lutheran thing, I think, we're really good at. I'll call it a friend of mine and we talk about Lutheran guilt. We're, we're saved by grace alone, but we have this underlying, like, I have to do more. And I, and, I, and I wonder sometimes if our called workers feel it more than others, more than most, like we, they work these ridiculous amount of hours because we're always trying to, I got to make somebody happy with me. It's the proverbial man, except that's not exactly what I'm getting at. It's the fear of people. Could it be this underlying guilt? Last Sunday, I talked about a little bit about the difference between guilt and shame. Guilt is I've done something wrong. And there's something I owe, especially to God, because of that. Could it be that one of the, the hurdles to living a free life is this, this underlying, maybe it's disbelief in the forgiveness of Jesus, or this underlying, I have to make up for what I did wrong. I know I'm forgiven, but... And so we work and we work and we work and we work and we work as if by our working and working and working, we're making some sort of restitution. And sometimes with people, restitution has to be made. But between Christians, restitution always comes after forgiveness. Restitution always comes after restoration. Restitution always comes after reconciliation. It's not the way we make things right. It's what we do after things are right. Do you see the difference? And yet in our relationships with people especially, and maybe even our relationships with God, we work and we work and we work as if we're somehow going to pay it off. And, and then there's shame. Guilt says, I did something wrong. Shame is there's something wrong with me. There's something broken about me. And what, what do we do with the shame? The stuff that we're ashamed about, we try to hide it. And so we work and we work and we work and we work to try to cover up what's wrong with us. We minimize, we hide, we push it behind us. And we don't live freely because we're ashamed of who we are and what we're not good at and how we failed. What would it be like to be free, to be really free, to run like a, a calf from a stall, like a bird from a, to fly like a bird from a cage, to, to open her up like a muscle car in the salt flats. Jesus wants us to know what that's like. And so I want to share two things from Jesus tonight that I think are really important as he opens up, as he responds to the Pharisees, as he teaches his disciples in these moments, I, there are two things I think that we can learn. The, the first one is this. Dear people of God, enjoy his rule. Enjoy his rule. How do we open things up, <laughs> live freely? It's, it's simply to enjoy the fact and the truth that he's king. That's how the whole thing ends. I know I shouldn't start at the end, but that's where I'm going to start. He, he starts by saying, the Lord, the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. He wants his disciples, this is why the disciples can live as freely as they do, because who are they with? The one who's in charge of the Sabbath. Who, who are they with? The one who meets all their needs. Who are they with? The bridegroom who gives them every reason to celebrate. Jesus says to us, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. And that means two things for us. 
It means, first of all, that, that he's the Lord who, I'm going to rephrase it, he's the Lord who gives us Sabbath rest. See, what do we do with guilt? And what do we do with shame? It's not something we can work off. If you try to work it off, you'll only find yourself working and working and working and working and, as the song goes, another day older and deeper in debt. You'll just keep working and working and working and working and burying yourself. The way to rest is to know that Jesus has given you rest. Who has paid your debt and covered your shame? It's your Savior Christ. He is the one who gives true Sabbath rest. When you're feeling like you're not enough, look at your Savior Jesus because he is enough. When you're feeling ashamed of who you are, look at the robes of your baptismal righteousness and see that you are covered in glory. Who you are, you're you're not defined by your failures. You're defined by the glory of Christ who is your robe of righteousness. He's the one who gives you rest. And and what about this whole idea of pleasing people? Listen, if your Father in heaven says about you, I'm going to be flippant for a minute. Let me be ridiculous. If your Father in heaven says of you, you are my child whom I love, with you I am pleased, who cares what they think? If your father says that we should care what people think, we should care. I I told a joke, if I did whatever I I wanted and didn't care what you think, you don't want to know what I might do. (laughs) But I care what you think. And more than that, I care about the gospel. But what I care about more is that my Savior Jesus has covered me with his righteousness And my Father in heaven, for his sake, for his sake, is pleased with me. So also with you. And it's not just your spiritual life in which your Savior gives you rest. It's your physical, daily life. Who sits on his throne while you sleep to make sure that everything in your life doesn't go to pieces while you sleep? And who sits on his throne while you're awake to make sure that you don't ruin your life and drive it to pieces? It's your Savior Jesus who sits on his throne so that whether we wake or whether we sleep, he's ruling over our lives for our good. Body and soul. He is the Lord who gives us rest. And he's the Lord who makes the rules about the Sabbath too. That's, that's at least part of what Jesus is getting at when he says the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. You want to make up rules about the Sabbath? I'm the only one who gets to make rules about the Sabbath. And did you know that shortly after this, the Apostle Paul writes in his letter to the Colossians, don't let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a new moon festival or a, or a Sabbath day. So there's this temptation then, if Jesus kind of did away with the Sabbath as it is in the Old Testament, Martin Luther in the large catechism, he said the the third commandment as it was doesn't apply to us anymore. Doesn't mean it's gone, but it doesn't apply in the same way. 
So there's this temptation if, if all of that's done away with, and if I don't have to make God happy by what I do, then we just do away with it altogether. So on the one hand, we could say we make God happy by doing our things. That's the pharisaical trouble. And then there's the other trouble where we just get away with, get away from, do away with everything because, well, we don't have to. So the first thing I would share with you tonight is just enjoy the rule of Jesus. His forgiveness, his justification, his robe of righteousness, his rule over your life. And the second thing is make use of his gifts. Make use of his gifts because God has given us gifts. They're not commanded. They're not commanded. They're not forbidden. They're just gifts that we can enjoy and that we can use. So, so there are three in the text. The first, one is, the first one is fasting. I know, Lutherans, we don't fast. But did you notice that Jesus doesn't say, we're done fasting now? He actually says about his disciples, we're going to get, there's going to be a time when my disciples will fast. There, there's, there's going to be a time when fasting is the right thing to do, when it's a time for prayer and time for mourning and a time for repentance and a time for quietness. There's a time for fasting. So maybe that's something we should learn a little bit more about. As, as Christians and as followers of Jesus, let's, let's learn a little bit more about what it is to fast and the spiritual benefit of fasting and, and begin to practice this thing, not because we have to, but because it's a gift of our Savior, of our God, by which we can we draw closer to Him in repentance and in faith. There's, there's a gift there. And, there. and there's the gift of the Sabbath, too. And when I talk about the gift of the Sabbath, I'm not so much talking about turning on Netflix and zoning out for five days. That's not what I'm talking about. There, there, is a there is a kind of rest, I suppose, from binging something. But, but I'm talking about the kind of Sabbath where it's rest of body and rest of mind and rest of soul in the words and promises of God. And that's a church, that's something that happens partly in church, but it's something that happens in your, in your daily life. It's, as Luther helps us understand the third commandment, it's really every day of our life. So how do we, how do we enjoy the gift of Sabbath rest? How do we look up at the sky and just take in the beauty of God? in his creation, or, or close our eyes and meditate on the promises of God. Maybe that's a gift we should think a little bit more about. Because we said there are no rules to get into heaven, and there aren't. But maybe these are some gifts we, of God we can enjoy. And what about the gift of celebration? It's kind of what we're doing tonight, right? We're, we're celebrating. That's why we eat meat, and that's why we eat food, and that's why we eat together, because we're celebrating not just out there, but in here, we're gathering food and drink and fellowship and worship, all of it around the Savior Jesus. It's, it's a moment of celebration. It's another gift of God. To, it's Easter. It's Ascension. It's Pentecost. It's, it's Christmas. All those things where we just, there's, there's a moment and a season of celebration. So, so what would it be like to run? To really run. Like, like a, a bird from a cage, like a calf from a stall, like a muscle car in the, in the, in the salt flats. The disciples knew, and, and I hope we're, we're beginning to know, because our King Jesus is on his throne, and he has set us free from every sin so that we might live in, under him 
in his kingdom and serve him freely. So dear people of God, run. Run under your king. Amen?